Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, understanding the science of running. It's one of the simplest uh, human activities, but it can also be one of the most complex. You know, most runners want to get the most out of their bodies, and um, and so, you know, having some knowledge of uh, anatomy and training and, and biomechanics um, can all help with that. And I think, you know, if, if people want to achieve their personal best and um, I think most runners, uh, you know, most runners are competing against themselves, really, um, in the long run. And, and I think, uh, you know, having that knowledge can really help. How running can change your world. Marathoning is life-altering. It changes your perspective. Um, uh, you gain all kinds of strength physically, but also in your mind, so that you really you can tackle anything you might not uh, succeed at everything but um, everything is a possibility and that's what I have that's what's changed me most in my life is how rewarding that has been and closing in on 75 marathons it's funny when I started them you know I just wanted to run one just to say I had I had done a marathon and and I found I found the training for a marathon so enjoyable you know I, I really love the long runs it's it's um, you know I just take them easy and I relax and and it just becomes um, you know almost a habit that that's something that I do and so the marathons just kind of became um, a way to justify all these long runs that I'm doing on this edition of I Run Radio, the author of a new book called The Science of Running will dispel some myths and give us some training tips and advice. We're going to talk to a woman in Winnipeg who took up running in her 50s and says it has changed her life, and a runner in Calgary who's preparing now for her 75th marathon. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you? Ah, feeling good, strong and refreshed. Okay. Last week you were cold and tired or something, <laughs> or sore, whatever. So I'm glad to hear you're better. That's good. I, I'm going to yeah. track your progress week in and week out, <laughs> see how it's going, you know? Um, Thank you. At least somebody cares. You yeah. Know yeah. Look, I'm getting ready to run a marathon in another week. Oh, yeah. The most exciting time. How you feel? I feel pretty good. You know, I probably haven't trained as much as I normally would in terms of the long runs just because winter's been tough and there there haven't been a lot of good days on the weekends to be running outside. And I'm not going to do a three-hour run on the treadmill. But, you know, it's I'm doing this event in California called the Seaside Marathon. It's north of Los Angeles. It's right along the coast. It sounds like it's going to be wow. beautiful, spectacular, wow. amazing, incredible <laughs> views. So, you know what? Who cares what my time is, right? I'm just going to be having a great experience and and seeing the Pacific Ocean. What more do you need than wow. that? Oh, I'm so jealous. And yeah, just, you know, and even like, you know, we, we run so much and you have so much muscle memory. Probably maybe even, you know, uh, cutting down a little bit on it might not be so bad, you know? Maybe you needed the rest and so you go out there and just no expectations and you know, try for maybe a negative split, you know, just take it nice and easy. And right there at the end, if you still got something, you know, turn it on then. But I'm, sure. uh, I'm rooting for you, and I know it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, that's a very rosy spin to put on things, and I don't mind that. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm not worried about my fitness. It's not like I've lost all of my endurance in the last yeah. six months. You know, I, I I think I ran a marathon about four months ago, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be exhausted after 10K. But... You know, again, who cares, right? I'm running a marathon. 
That's all that matters. Yeah. So I'm good with that. Yeah, and what number marathon is this for you? I think this will be 35. So, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, on the show today, we're going to talk to this lovely woman named Lorraine, who is a runner in Winnipeg, and she started running 20 years ago in her early 50s, still running today, absolutely loves it, describes her passion so well. She talks about all the wonderful people she's met through running. She talks about how it's changed her life, her outlook, how she feels like she can do anything now, that this is such a legacy for her kids to show them that, you know, all the right things, all the things you and I talk about all the time. And she just captures them and personifies them and represents them in such a beautiful way. So that's really got me fired up this week because I I love hearing people talk about running that way. Well, and she lives it too. I mean, she's famous in the community because she's so supportive and she's so cheering and applauding and volunteering. And she's, you know, she's just out there and it, it takes these people that really like, I always used to say like, you know, what is running? And, and what it is, is what any one of us as individuals make, you know, are we a supportive community? Is it this kind of thing that you can't, you know, show up for a long run alone and no one will talk to you? Or is it this like welcoming, supportive, encouraging, you know, wonderful thing. And Lorraine is really one of those people that just really exemplifies it, makes all of us just try to do a better job at being more like her. Absolutely. And then we talked to another woman named Maureen, who is on the verge of running her 75th marathon. The last time we talked to her, she was closing on 50, and now she's going to be back just a few years later, 25 marathons later. Um, And we're going to check in with a guy named Chris Napier, who's got a book called The Science of Running. Very cool book. What I love about this book is it's very visual. Uh, You and I are in the business of communicating information, and sometimes uh, we're all guilty of this as writers. We do it all in words. And yeah. this book is this book is not just some great words, but also some great illustrations and pictures of the human body and all of that kind of stuff that just really shows what running is all about, what you need to know about everything from stretching to training to your muscles, all of that. And he addresses some myths, and we're going to address some of those myths on the show as well. So lots of great stuff on the show this week to stimulate your mind and rethink the way you do things. Right on. I love it. All right, Ben. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Good luck on your race. Go, Thank Mark, you. go. That is Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, the science of running. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Running is one of the most basic natural activities, but it can also be incredibly complicated. We're going to break it down for you now and try to simplify it a bit. We're joined by the author of a new book called The Science of Running, Dr. Chris Napier of the University of British Columbia. Chris, welcome to I Run Radio. Happy to be here, thanks. And congratulations on the book. It is uh, really fantastic, uh, not only informative, but very visual. I have to say, uh, you know, I've as somebody who's worked in the media for a long time, I've 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 long had this 
this view that there are there are many different ways of communicating information, and and you've really captured, you know, you've you've found a terrific way of sharing pertinent information in a very relatable, visual, user friendly way in this book. So, congrats on that. Well, thanks very much. So uh, tell me how you come to this uh, as, a, as a scientist, as, a, as a, an athlete. Uh, how, uh, how do you uh, approach the subject of helping people understand the science of running? Well, I mean, I really come at it from a few different directions, uh, and that's based on my background. I mean, I'm a, I'm a runner primarily myself, um, so... I think I understand the, the psyche of the runner quite well, um, and I've dealt with injuries and with uh, you know races that haven't gone as planned and, and that sort of thing. And um, so I think that helped inform the book. But then I also come at it uh, from the viewpoint as a clinician um, who sees runners. That's sort of ninety to ninety-five percent of my practice is uh, seeing runners. And then also as a scientist um, with my background on uh, running biomechanics uh, research. So um, I think kind of fusing all of those things together is, is really what um, what made this book. And, and I think um, also, you know, when I'm talking to runners, um, usually as a clinician, um, you know, there's, there's uh, certain um, themes that I'm constantly going back to and you know, I think over time, um, the ideas in this book um, have been sort of molded by the, the way I talk to, to runners in the clinic. And, and so trying to capture sure. all of that in a way that's um, sort of easily translated um, to the average runner, I think, was uh, sort of the, the essence of this book. Yeah, and what I find interesting about running and, and what uh, what resonated with me about this book is that I, th- I think about how... Running is such a, a basic thing that, uh, you know, kids can run once they, once they start walking or soon after they start running. It's a very natural thing. It's not something you need to think about a lot to do. And yet, if you are going to, to run and to perform as a runner in races, if you're going to get faster, if you're going to avoid injuries, all of that sort of thing, you do have to learn a little bit about it. And, and it becomes a thing where you do have to think, you do have to prepare, you do have to understand more about it. So it's kind of an interesting thing that way in that it's an incredibly natural thing to do, but there is the whole science to it as well. Yeah, and it, it's that's exactly it. It's uh, it's one of the simplest uh, human activities, but it can also be one of the most complex. And I think, yeah. um, you know, most runners want to get the most out of their bodies, and um, and so, you know, having some knowledge of uh, anatomy and training and, and biomechanics um, can all help with that. And I think, you know, if, if people want to achieve their personal best and um, I think most runners, uh, you know, most runners are competing against themselves, really, um, in the long run. And, and I think, uh, you know, having that knowledge can really help. Yeah, and one of the things you do right off the bat is address some myths about running and about training. And I like that because, uh, like anything, whether it's nutrition or exercise or health in general, uh, we fall into traps sometimes. Uh, there's there's information that gets out there. You talk to somebody else, and they say, "Oh, you should be doing more of this or less of that." And and um, it's it's not always based on the science, is it? Isn't isn't that the case? It's is sometimes we end up kind of uh, f- acting based on on uh, kind of hearsay and myths, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think running has a lot of myths, um, a lot of really powerful myths. Um, and some of it is based on science. It's just old science. Um, and some of it is uh, really not. And, and it's just, um, you know, I think a lot of these things, uh, these myths are still very, um, uh, you know, they, they're, they persist um, among even, you know, highly educated runners uh, today. And, and I see it all the time in the clinic. People come in and, you know, ask me uh, things that I, I assume we've sort of gotten past, but, you know, things like um, talking about uh, overpronation or, you know, things to do with footwear uh, or stretching. Um, but, uh, but there's still a lot, uh, a lot of work to be done there. Yeah, and even something as simple as what what a lot of non-runners might think, which is running is bad for your knees, bad for your joints, that uh, you, you, you're going to end up uh, needing hip replacement surgery or something like that when that's not really the case, right? No, exactly. And in fact, um, you know, what we've seen in, in recent years with the research is that uh, uh, running can actually um, be protective from arthritis, and it can actually um, help improve symptoms. So tell me what you think, at a basic level, runners need to know about the science of running. What are some of the things that, that every runner ought to know? Well, I mean, I think um, at the end of the day, um, the way you load your body is how you're going to respond to the training. So um, I think... Uh, from a physiological perspective, um, you can uh, either improve your performance um, or end up uh, burnt out and overtrained um, if you don't um, have the, you know, the proper ratio of, of training and recovery. And then on the more sort of biomechanical side, um, you know, depending on how you run and uh, and again dealing with sort of the, the frequencies and intensities of, of your running um, you can overload your body and end up uh, with injuries so I think um, you know for for runners to kind of understand that um, that ratio um, and and what sort of an appropriate amount of training is is probably the, the key yeah because obviously running and improving your performance is about kind of testing your limits and, and pushing past them a little bit, but not too much. Otherwise, you do get injured, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not always uh, more is better, which I think, you know, people often realize. But, um, you know, I think uh, runners uh, can be a little bit obsessive by nature and and, uh, and always sort of want to try to get the most out of their bodies. And so I think um, learning sometimes that... Uh, you know, optimizing some of the things like recovery, um, you can actually get uh, more out of your body than just trying to optimize the uh, the training side. How important are different kinds of running to your training? So not just going out and, and running at the same pace every time, but mixing it up, doing hills, doing speed work, uh, doing tempo work, those kinds of things. How important is that? I, I think it's hugely important, and I think um, you know we've got a, a section in the book, and and this uh, this section on on how to train was co-written with uh, with my coach uh, Jerry Ziak, uh, who's based in Vancouver here, um, and uh, and I think we you know we try and spell out um, you know what each run that you're doing uh, is is uh, 
what the reason for each run is and whether it's hill training um, or, or uh, you know, working the aerobic systems, uh, the lactate threshold systems. Um, if you want to kind of maximize your performance, you need to be tapping into all those systems. And, uh, and the way you do that um, in a, any given week is um, by sort of polarizing your training. And I think um, that's probably the, the one thing I tell novice runners um, uh, is that, they, you know, rather than going out and just sort of running the same pace every day, um, you need to be constantly sort of polarizing that with, uh, you know, VO2 max uh, training and lactate threshold training and then a lot of uh, – uh, sort of low-intensity aerobic training. And we touched on this already a little bit, but what are some of the ways that runners can prevent uh, injuries and the, the typical injuries that runners often experience? Well, I mean, number one goes back to appropriately loading and, and, and progressing your training program. Um, you know, most injuries are a case of too much too soon. Um, so that would be the number one thing, and I think you can uh, you can track your training load quite well um, these days. And most most runners have uh, you know GPS, smart watches, and that sort of thing. But also just tracking um, how are you feeling uh, and uh, and rating that on uh, like a rating your perceived exertion scale um, can be really helpful. Um, and then another thing that uh, I think we're learning more and more. Um, that uh, doesn't always jive with uh, runners' mentalities is that strength training can be really helpful in, in preventing injury, as well as improving performance. And um, you know, typically when runners have gotten in the gym, they've gone in and they've done, you know, um, 20 to 30 reps of each exercise with really low weights because they think that's what runners need. But um, more and more, what we're seeing is that. Um, if you want to uh, maximize the, the time in the gym, you should be getting in there and doing what you're not getting out of running, which is uh, high load or high resistance um, exercise. And so doing, you know, more like three sets of six to eight reps um, with uh, with heavy, heavy weights um, is going to challenge your, your muscles um, in ways that running isn't. And so I think that's another thing that uh, can really go a long way to preventing injury. And what about stretching? There's been a little bit of debate about that over the last few years about whether stretching helps or uh, or doesn't help. What's what's your sense of that based on the evidence? Yeah, well, that's one of the the myths we address in the beginning of the book um, about uh, static stretching. And so when we talk about stretching, there's static stretching, which is the sort of you know sit and reach and and hold for thirty seconds, uh, and then there's dynamic stretching, which is um, more about uh, taking your body through the range of motion that it's going to be exposed to in the exercise. And um, with the static stretching, um, you're, you, there's no evidence that uh, you can uh, prevent injury or improve performance with uh, static stretching. And on the contrary, if you static stretch before uh, you run, um, you may actually increase your risk of injury. Um, but with dynamic stretching, um, I usually advise that people do a, a nice sort of general uh, body warm-up and then go through some dynamic stretching before they do any higher-intensity work. Um, and we think that that probably uh, prevents injury. You also write in the book about your running gait, and I know that uh, the way we run 
uh, is, it, it, there's been lots written about that and talked about as well. But uh, again, here's an area where you have to strike the right balance where maybe there are some improvements you can make to the way you run, but you got to be careful not to mess with it too much because it is a natural thing. And if you try too hard to change the way you approach running, uh, you could set yourself up for an injury as well, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think um, that's an important point. Uh, and I think, you know, we saw after Born to Run came out in 2009 and, and a, a wave of minimalist footwear um, and a lot of people sort of trying to change the way they ran uh, based on what they, they read. Um, I certainly saw a, a huge increase in injuries and, and particular types of injuries in the clinic um, as a result of that. And so, you know, things like changing your foot strike from a rear foot to a forefoot strike um, can be quite risky. Um, often it's done too quickly and uh, and it, there really isn't any good evidence to suggest that um, that forefoot strikers will uh, have less injuries than rear foot strikers or that they'll, um, that they run faster. So, um, you know, you have to think about the, the rationale for changing your form. Um, and generally, I like to do more um, global changes, such as just like increasing your cadence or, or landing softly, um, because those are changes that are, are less likely to have um, injurious side effects. Right. Great stuff, Chris. Look, I, I could keep talking to you for ages about this, uh, but uh, so many great things in the book. I really encourage people to check it out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thanks for having me on. That's Dr. Chris Napier of the University of British Columbia, who has a PhD in running biomechanics and injury prevention and is the author of the new book, The Science of Running. Coming up next, how running changed one woman's life 20 years ago. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete, on a continuous basis, the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Lorraine Walton is a runner and volunteer in Winnipeg who has an infectious love of running. She says it has changed her life. She took it up in her 50s. Lorraine, welcome to iRun Radio. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be part of iRun Radio. Well, Thank it's a pleasure to, to chat with you. Yeah, and, and I understand you've been, you've been running for 20 years. That's something to celebrate right there. Good for you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I came to running later in life. So I was not um, uh, at all athletic as a young person in school or into young adulthood, and I only came to running in my early 50s. Okay. And what? how did that happen? Well, I was in a very, very stressful job, and um, trying to deal with that and not doing it too successfully. And at that time, uh, my elder son, Michael, was a marathoner. And he said, you know, Mom, why don't you just think about going out for daily walks and maybe just running a little bit? So fast forward, I started to walk, and then I started to run between fire hydrants in my neighborhood. And uh, eventually that took me to the running room here in Winnipeg, and I joined one of the clinics, uh, Learn to Run, 
and uh, learned some very valuable experience about nutrition and avoiding injury and so on. And um, not only did I was I happy with running and how it made me feel and how it helped me reduce my stress, but it also introduced me to the most wonderful people who became lifelong friends. Yeah, that is something about running that you don't expect, right? You start out looking for some fitness, and you find a whole bunch of kindred spirits, don't you? Yes, exactly. So that's, uh, uh, to this day, I've I've maintained some of those friendships and gained some others. I was fortunate enough, um, and my health allowed me to uh, actually take on the marathon distance. So in... In the last 20 years, I've been able to run, well, over 30 half marathons, but uh, eight, or pardon me, nine full marathons, including Boston, uh, New York, Chicago, and Chicago, uh, Chicago and Minneapolis. So um, it's also, running has also taken me to some wonderful locations, met some fabulous people, uh, and just allowed me the joy of being around people, like-minded people from all walks of life who also love running. So I think that's a large benefit. I know out there there's lots of other ways that we can get fit and stay fit, but uh, with running, you can just sort of just step outside the door at any time of the day or evening and go out. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't have to book a squash court or a tennis court. You don't have to book a rink. Uh, you don't need equipment. Uh, you don't need to drive anywhere. You, you can just go right out your front door. Exactly, yes. So tell me yes. a little bit about how you got from starting this out in your early 50s to running marathons. What was that journey like? Because I bet you didn't expect well, you know, that at the start, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, at the very start, it was oh my gosh, I can run five minutes without stopping. And um, eventually, um, with with the help and support of friends and clinicians that I met along the road, I started to tackle the distances. So uh, uh, train for a 5K, train for a 10K, eventually a half marathon, and then finding my first full marathon here in Manitoba. And I think... um, The big aspect of that achievement um, beyond the physical was also the amazing coach I had at that time. He is a um, three-time Manitoba marathon winner. His name is Chris Glowak, and he was so encouraging and basically hand-held us um, along the way through the training process. So I know that that, uh, marathon distance is not for everyone, But um, I'm a goal setter, and it was out there and uh, a possibility for me, and so I tackled it and never looked back. It's awfully hard. (laughs) It is not an easy distance and, and definitely requires a very large commitment in the training process, as I know you know, Mark, because you are a marathoner as well. But that's part of the appeal, isn't it? Uh, It's the appeal of doing something hard and feeling that satisfaction afterwards when you've done it, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, Of course, our marathons, uh, coast to coast and into the U.S., raise uh, valuable funds for all kinds of charities. So um, 
that's the second, you know, big benefit, of course, of, of taking part in this being and being part of that very large machine to raise funds. Absolutely. So when you did actually accomplish that and run your first marathon, what was that like for you? Oh, my gosh. Like, um, there were lots of tears, uh, lots of tears and whoops. Um, I will say that by the time we got into our stadium here and to the finish line in Manitoba, there weren't too many people left (laughs) waiting for us. So uh, we were slow. Uh, My first marathon was... uh, just over five hours, my first marathon finishing time. But we absolutely did not care about that because, of course, in marathoning, no matter whether you run a marathon or a 5K or 10K, you still get the medal or the achievement at the end. And um, it was a great source of satisfaction. And, and, and at my age of, you know, in my 50s, I uh, never dreamed I would be able to accomplish something like that. Yeah. So was it empowering for you? Did it change the way you looked at yourself? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Absolutely. Um, Marathoning is life-altering. It changes your perspective. Um, uh, You gain all kinds of strength physically, but also in your mind, so that you really, you can tackle anything. You might not uh, succeeded everything, but um, everything is a possibility, and that's what I have. That's what's changed me most in my life is how rewarding that has been, and um, you know, it's a legacy for our children. Sure. But, uh, yeah. No matter how, what your age, no matter what your age is, no matter uh, what you do or don't do in life, that is something uh, that we leave for our children that they can say, you know what, we can. We can tackle this, whatever it is in their, in, in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, I like what you said there, that it, because it's not just the feeling that you can do anything. It's also the feeling that you can try anything, even if it doesn't work out. And that there, you can kind of let go of the feeling that uh, you've, you've got to be successful at everything. You can, because there are bad marathons, there are bad races, and you just turn around and do it again, and you still get something out of the experience anyway. So I think for me, it's made me less fearful about trying something new. Uh, as well as giving me a feeling like if I work hard at something, I can accomplish something I never thought I could before. That's absolutely right. You know, uh, Mark, I ran Boston in 2014, and folks out there will remember that the bombing occurred in 2013, the year before. And um, when we trained to run in 2014, there were a lot of people who said, Oh no, you know, it's not a good idea, etc. But when we arrived there and we saw the power of positivity, not only among the runners, but also among the good people of Boston, and I was so struck by all the banners and, and so on that said, you know, humanity lives here, Boston is strong. And that was transformative uh, for me. Um, I at the at the in the moment, but ever since then, um, it's a very cherished memory and a very big benefit of uh, coming to running. 
Well, good for you, Lorraine. That's uh, you. You speak so well about this, and I can hear the passion in your voice. Running has obviously been a big part of your life. I know you volunteer at events as well. Uh, it's it's yeah. you know you it's been it's been your community. It's been your passion. Um, I'm so impressed and inspired by uh, the way you talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Thank you for asking me. That's Lorraine Walton of Winnipeg. Coming up next, we'll reconnect with a woman who is getting ready for her 75th marathon. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. We last checked in with Maureen Peniak a few years ago when she was preparing for her 50th marathon. Now she is closing in on 75 marathons. Maureen, thank you for joining us again on iRun Radio. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And the last time we spoke, I guess, you were doing your 50th marathon, uh, which you did at the 50th anniversary of the Calgary Marathon. So once again, congratulations on that. And you've added a few marathons to your total since then, right? I have. So I've I've done 73, and then this spring I'm looking forward to doing uh, summer 74 and 75. Wow. All right. And so one of those will be the Manitoba Marathon in June. Yes, on Father's Day in June. That'll be marathon number 75 for me. Okay, and what's the other one you're doing? And then I'll run Fargo in May before that, so that'll okay. be number 74. All right, and you're not going to stop there, are you? No, my goal is, you know, I, I had it all set up. I'm, I'm kind of big on numbers and timing, and so I had, I'd been so excited when I was going to run my 50th marathon the weekend of my 50th birthday, and then um, you have to be opportunistic with marathons because you never know what could happen and you might miss one. So just as more marathons kind of close to home came up, I started running more marathons, and I got ahead of myself. So then I had trouble adjusting to, you know, how am I running my 50th marathon when I'm only 47 because I had this huge thing planned <laughs> for my 50th. So I've decided now, instead of getting too stuck on, you know, I'm going to run my 100th marathon at this thing, right. I've just decided that it'll, as long as it ends up sometime when I'm retired and in my 60s, I will hit marathon number 100. And okay. then I'll be, I'll be happy with that. All right. You're not going to try and hit number 100 when you turn 100, then. Oh, I'll be waiting <laughs> on that by the time I'm 100. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what what is it about running marathons that you like so much, that you've done so many? Because that's a big number, 73. You know, it it is, and I, I it's funny, when I started them, you know, I just wanted to run one, just to say I had I had done a marathon. And... And I found I found the training for a marathon so enjoyable. You know, I, I really love the long runs. It's it's um you know, I just take them easy and I relax and and it just becomes um you know, almost a habit that that's something that I do. And so the marathons just kind of became um a way to justify all these long runs that I'm doing. And and they're fun. You you know, you meet people at marathons. Um they're they're just a fun a fun and exciting experience to do. Yeah. And uh, but you have to do a lot every year if you're gonna if you're gonna rack up a total like this, right? Yeah, so I'm kind of doing either three or four years is kind of what I'm doing, and they just 
just because of um, maybe how our weather is here, it seems to be that they're sort of hubbed in the spring and the fall. So yeah. not so much over the summer and, and not so much over the winter. Okay. So you'll do a couple in the spring, a couple in the fall, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your first marathon. And, you know, my first marathon in 2000, it was such an experience training for that first one because I had uh, just taken um, a new job working with our provincial parks branch, and it just ended up that our director was also a marathoner. He hadn't been competing recently, but um, as a master's, he, he ran under um, under 245 um, in a marathon. So he was a very good marathoner. And so we started doing once a week these lunch hour runs. It was about a seven-mile loop that we did. And the whole time he was just kind of giving me little hints about running. And he, even though he could run faster than me, he would pace it so that it was a run that I was working, but not so much that, you know, he was going to get ahead of me and I couldn't keep up. Um, and so it just it just made that whole experience of training for that for that first marathon, um, you know, it's something that I'll never forget. Yeah, and what I love about what you're saying, Maureen, is the fact that this it's the whole experience, right? It's not just the destination, it's the journey. You, If you're going to be running marathons, if you're going to be doing anything in life, you should be enjoying the process as much as the outcome, right? So you don't want to run marathons because you like the finish line. You want to run marathons because you like the training and you like the experience of going to an event and running the 42.2K itself, even if it gets a little tough at times. Yes, yes. It's not as if it's a, a piece of cake um, no. the whole time you're running. And you certainly have some runs where you think, oh, my goodness, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this. Um, um, but, yes, I, I, every, I've met a few people, not very many, but some who, who don't seem to enjoy the long runs. And I, I do sort of wonder if, if you don't enjoy them, you know, how you choose that um, as, as, as what you've decided to do. Because I, I think, yes, if you're going to spend that much time training you want it to be something that you enjoy doing absolutely yeah and then and i think another thing i've learned just just because i've now run for so many years or so long is you sort of learn um to listen to your body really well um in that if you you know if something feels not right you know to back off um because the you know for me the goal is to always be able to run um and especially now you know i run commute to work over the winter so it's it's um it's how I get to work, so I, I mm-hmm. need the I need the machine to keep working, and so um, I've also learned to to sort of you know um, take care of things and, and listen to things so that you you keep everything running, and I think and then that makes it more enjoyable because you're not off injured. So you run back and forth to work every day. Uh, kind of um, most of the week. I'll, it, if sometimes if we have enough nice weather over the winter, there might be a couple times a month where I can I'll bike to work, um, and then it, it lets me sort of bring some extra things. But I've I've pretty much have a self sufficient routine where I can you know fit enough food in um, for for the day on my on my in a uh, you know a pack around me like a fanny pack so that I don't have to carry a backpack. Um, and then I'm I'm very lucky that we have a shower at work, and I can leave extra clothes at work, so I can come here, you know, I run here, and then I can have a shower change, um, change into dry clothes. And and it's it's interesting that we're the day that we're talking exactly a year ago today, I ran to work, and it was minus 52 with the wind chill. So that's wow. the uh, that, that's the coldest I've I've ever run to work, and I actually um, that day ran to the CBC studio when I was on CBC uh, Manitoba Information Radio that morning. But that's the that's the coldest, <laughs> and now we're in kind of a, a warm spell, and it's um, we're, we're above normal conditions. So I can't even tell you how cold it is in Winnipeg because it's so warm that now our sidewalks are getting kind of soft and mushy just because ah. there's 
uh, it's too warm. Yeah. And how far is it to work? So it's 10 kilometers. Okay. So sometimes you're running both ways? Yeah, I always, and, and I do it both ways, um, and it's just the logistics, I find, um, in what you would wear. You know, I sort of thought, oh, could I take the bus, you know, when I started off doing this, I sort of thought, oh, do I do it one day a week? Do I run runway, take the bus one way? But I find um, for whatever you would wear for running, because you wear less when you're running than mm. if you were on the bus, yeah. um, it it just, and then if you only run one way, now how do I get, you know, stuff back? So it just made it easier to... Um, commute via the same mode to work sure. and, and from work. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, but it's and a lot of running. Have to sit there. Yes, and you don't have to sit there. Sometimes I, if I'm bike, if I'm mixing up biking and running too much, I have to think at the end of the day now. How did I get here? <laughs> how am I getting home? Yeah. So you ran the Manitoba Marathon in the year 2000, and you'll be doing right. it again this year for the 21st year in a row. Is that right? That's right. Wow. So tell me about yeah. that event. Tell me about the Manitoba Marathon. Well, and I, I, um, I obviously uh, um, have a, a good, uh, a very, very much enjoy our Manitoba Marathon because it's our local marathon, and it's it's really fun fun to run a marathon at home where you then have, um, you know, more people that you know who are going to be out on the course, and and sometimes there might be people not cheering for me; they're they're actually out there cheering for somebody else. But then I happen to know them, and and uh, so you know, I say, hey, it's Maureen. Um, so it's always fun to run sort of on your on your home turf. And then I also, um, because I, I used to be a, um, a volunteer official with, um, I used to be a track and field association, now it's uh, Officials um, Athletics Manitoba. Right. And so from that, sort of from that experience, it led to me doing, being on the technical committee for the Manitoba Marathon 30 years ago. So I... Um, I had volunteered with them years ago and then sort of didn't when I, I moved away from graduate school and wasn't doing that. And then more recently, um, got a call through my volunteer work with um, the Green Action Center and the composting that I do. And so now I get to run the marathon, and then I, after, as soon as I run, I do a quick change, and then I volunteer um, with our Manitoba Marathon. Okay, so what well. do you do after you run the marathon? What, what volunteering do you do? And so what, uh, one of the great things with our marathon is that we divert over 80% of the waste um, um, wow. away from the garbage stream so that um, we have most of our waste going into either composting or recycling um, as opposed to garbage. And so one of the best ways to do that is to separate it at source rather than having a big pile that you have to separate later. So they have it set up so that they have what they call these pods. And at a pod, there'll be, um, you know, a bin for compost, a bin for recycling, and a bin for garbage. And then they get a volunteer to stay at each pod so that they can separate out the waste right from that point so that it goes into the right spot. And you can imagine some some people... Um, even at the best of times, you know, might have trouble knowing sure. which goes where. But especially when you think of marathoners coming in and they're kind of exhausted, <laughs> um, yeah. the more help they can get, the better. No yes. skill-testing <laughs> questions at that point of uh, the race, right? You don't want that. <laughs> no. So, And it's just a good opportunity for us to, you know, to get interaction um, from me as a volunteer to other runners to say, yes, you know, here's what we do. And and they, they're always very appreciative and very happy to see that the Manitoba Marathon is, is doing that as well. Fantastic. Well, Maureen, congratulations. I mean, what you've done is amazing. And uh, the fact that you actually run the marathon and then volunteer afterwards, that's incredible as well. So 
Thank you so much for joining us and continued success as you continue to rack up the marathons. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. That's Maureen Pennyuck of Calgary. Hope you can join us next week on I Run Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.